Have you ever started to do something that you thought, this might not be the best idea. This might not work out and I should probably walk away from this now. And then miraculously, everything comes together. Everything just works and fits and is right. That's what we're talking about this week. What's something that you've done that you thought might have failed, but miraculously succeeded? What's up, everyone? My name's Jason, and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening. I love stories, from comic books to films, songs to jokes, sitting around a campfire with your friends, or being in an audience with strangers being enveloped by a story together. I love hearing people's stories. And even more than that, I love hearing and learning about those stories. I'm the kind of person who will watch a movie and then watch the movie immediately again with the director's commentary on just to learn all about how it was made. This show is the proverbial director's commentary on the movie of life. This is episode number 25 of 50 of the COVID-50. Before we begin, a note of warning. The topics we explore on this show may not be suitable for all listeners. This podcast deals with real people and real stories. These stories may contain and deal with graphic language, adult themes, sexual content, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. This week, we're discussing what have you done, or what have our guests done, or what has anyone done that they thought mm, might not have worked out for the best, but somehow miraculously turned around and succeeded. So for me, I have two of these stories. One, I was a student at the Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, and part of the best aspect of going to the school as a film student was there was an international film festival that took place in town every year, and many guests would come, uh, big names would come, and it was always very coveted to get a VIP badge from one of the professors, which were very limited in number. Unfortunately, I never got one. So I decided to try something out of an 80s movie trope, and I grabbed a box, a cardboard box, and I wore my school clothes, which was just a t-shirt and shorts, and I walked up to the security guard one night for an after party, and he stopped me. He goes, you know, are you on the list? And I was like, dude, I am, I'm so tired right now. I just got to drop off this, this box and then I'm going home. You know, it's been a long day. You know, is it possible I can just drop this off and I'll just head out, you know, immediately. I'm, I'm so exhausted. Like this is the last thing on my route. So the guy was like, cool, cool. Come on in. So I go inside. I run to the bathroom. Inside my box was my dress shirt and tie and slacks and nice shoes and I throw all that on and I go out and for the rest of the night I get to mingle with lots of cool uppity rich people um, and it was a lot of fun and truth be told it wasn't so much fun to mingle with them because I'll be honest not all of them were that fun but it was a fun experience to actually live out an 80s movie trope <laughs> and that was a lot of fun because I honestly thought I was going to just be shown the curb but when I got the green light 
it was like, oh, yay, this is a TV show moment. And it was wonderful. The other thing was, uh, again, in college, but a, a different college from my undergrad, I was taking a sculpture class for my art degree. And the sculpture class consisted of pretty much anything that you wanted to do. And there were three projects throughout the semester. My first project, I created, I really wanted to do something um, that meant something. I wanted to like take art a little bit deeper because before I took this class, I was really only considered um, or really only considering art through comic book means. I wanted to make comic books. And now I kind of wanted to stretch my wings and try to make something a little more deeper thought-wise. So I created a cabinet. And on the outside of the cabinet, I would take newspaper clippings of horrible things from around the world, uh, suicide bombers, murders, um, death tolls, yada, yada, yada. And I would piece them around the outside of the cabinet very chaotically. I wanted it to be very sporadic and you know not a lot of reason to it but more um like this is constantly around us at all times and inside the cabinet i lined it with with velvet and very pretty things and like soft lighting and i i even built like the electrical box in it and it was the idea that you know no matter what like what happening what's happening outside and how these horrible things are outside we can still find inner peace and i got a d on the project <laughs> So that kind of threw me for a loop. So the next project I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I need to do something a little more uh, groundbreaking, a little more rebellious. So I went to a store and I bought a two and a half foot, maybe like a three foot dildo. It's a giant dildo. I think it's called the Rambone. And uh, a side note, I still have this today. I use it as home security because I figure anyone who tries to break in and gets whapped with a three foot dildo does not want to stick around. So uh, I molded it into a cast and I created a cast out of it and I filled the model of it with nails sticking out of it. And it was supposed to be very um, uh, rebellious about like feminism and really kind of like really approaching the male mindset as something that was toxic and, and, and evil and something that could have been very uh, uh, gross in talking about on an emotional scale. And I went in after it was done and painted and, and shellacked and everything else, and someone had thrown it off the shelf into a wall and it was shattered. And I got a D. No, I'm sorry, I got a C on that one. And I was livid that I put so much thought and time and work into this, and I was getting these really shitty grades. So for the rest of the semester, I spent all my time making a Jason Voorhees mask. And I'm not gonna lie, I still have that mask today, and I love it, it makes me super happy. But I realized that my final was coming due, and I needed a final project. So I thought, fuck it, I don't care. Um, the teacher was not taking me seriously at all anymore. I didn't give a shit. I put all this work into my first two pieces and they were cast aside as garbage and one was literally destroyed. So I said, fuck it. I'm just going to do the bare minimum and throw something together at the very last second. So I went to a local JCPenney. I talked to the manager 
I said, here's what I want to do. I want to walk in with a video camera, look like I'm stealing a mannequin, and then I will return it tomorrow. Here's my driver's license. I gave him like 40 bucks. I was like, you know, I will come back back tomorrow. I absolutely promise. And then I went home. I had a bag from my birthday that said the big hug bag. And I outstretched my arm next to a bookshelf and I dumped every toy, every movie, everything that was on this bookshelf into the big hug bag. I wrapped it with a chain. I stapled the bag to a skateboard so it wouldn't wobble, so it wouldn't fall off. And then I put the mannequin inside the bag with all this junk in it. So when it became my turn to present my final piece to the class, I put a VHS tape into a TV and it was the video of me walking into JCPenney, looking like I'm just walking around and me stealing a mannequin and getting the facial reactions of one of the cashiers who was not in on the joke and it was fantastic. And I had that on loop. I had that on loop like four times. And then during this presentation, I slowly took the chain and I dragged the skateboard across the table in the middle of all the students without saying a word. I got to the end, I dropped the chain, I turned off the TV. Um, meanwhile, during this last presentation day, there was someone who made a glass guitar, a life-size guitar out of glass, and just, it was absolutely gorgeous, and he got a C on that. Meanwhile, my presentation not only earned me an A for the project, but earned me an A for the entire semester. He threw away my grades from my previous two projects and gave me an A for the semester. So this is something that I wholeheartedly gave up on and did not care about. And I was praised for it. My teacher took me aside at the end of the class and said, we need to get you on a track of doing sculpture, doing, doing more art. You, you, like, you put so much thought into this. There's so much meaning behind it. And he went off and did this whole in conceptual, like, well, you meant this by this and blah, blah, blah. And I never said a word. So let's hear from some other people right after we take a quick break about times where they thought they were going to fail at something and miraculously succeeded. My name is Brandon. I am from Elgin, Illinois. Ooh, that's another good one. Again, I'm not... Nothing's coming to mind. Oh, um, I'm looking at one right now. So I don't have artistic ability. I, I can shoot decently with a camera and I, I have some nice, um, you know, nice framed pieces from some of my work. But when it comes to things like painting or drawing, um, I, I get stick figures wrong. I, I'm that bad. I just, some people have a natural ability that then they, they use and they hone throughout the years to turn into something truly marvelous. I never had that natural ability and not having it. I never had the desire to try to, you know, get the ability, you know, uh, to, to become good at it because I was always so bad at it. So we had a 
we were at a party, one of those paint and sip parties for a friend's birthday, and we were painting. It's a famous piece, uh, a Monet or a Monet. I, I can't recall which one. My wife would know. Uh, and everyone's really into it. And I started painting and immediately I turned mud. Everything turned to mud. I was following the lady's instructions step by step. And on step two or step three, I had mud. I don't know how I had mud. I don't think I used any dark colors. It just turned to mud on me. And so in a panic, I kept trying to turn the mud into this piece of art. And uh, by the end of it, after uh, way too long panicked painting, just keep throwing whites into it, trying to do something, I came out with a very angry and apocalyptic version of this piece of art. And its I didn't think it would be anything more than just some splotches that I could call abstract, maybe. And it actually turned out to be a nice piece, nice enough to where my wife insisted we hang it on the wall. And she is a classically trained artist. So if she thinks it's nice enough to hang on the wall, uh, I, I don't think I'm just thinking it's great because I did it. it. It actually came out well. And I don't think I'll ever touch a brush again because I just won at art and I never need to do it again. My name is Rob and I am from the Midwest in America. I have a lot of confidence in what I do. I have succeeded at quite a bit, but I've never gone into anything thinking it might fail. So I don't think I'm ever surprised when it works. Um, I have been surprised at how well things work. We've done live events that can be very stressful putting together and, mm. and getting up there and, and that concept of, uh, doing a live podcast marathon is a very weird one. Uh, I know people do it now, but when we started doing them, that was six years ago, nobody was doing anything like this. And that concept was really strange. Did I go into it thinking we'd fail? No. Now, I guess, I guess the closest to that would be when we started doing our live shows at the Blue Box Cafe. The owner had asked me, Chris had asked me, if, uh, if I wanted to do a show live, we had done one live show for somebody else. He and his wife, Kathleen were there. Uh, they came up right away at the end. I didn't even, we didn't really know them yet. They said, Hey, could you do this at, at our cafe? We went, sure. Not having any clue how to pull something like that off. We created a show. We called it live at the blue box. We said we got three hours every Saturday night. Uh, and the thought was we would just do our podcast that we had live. And about 10 minutes into the very first one from up at the table where we were podcasting, it was me and I forget who else was up there with me. Uh, I looked out at the audience and Martha was sitting there. My wife was sitting there and I said, this isn't going to work. I think, I think this is a dumb idea. It's not going to work. And she went, what you're in the middle of a show. I said, Nope, I don't think it's going to work. And, and I think it was Chris chimes up like, Nope, keep going, give it a try. You're, we're not kicking you out of here. And we did. And we did it for, I want to say, five years. It might be four years of Live at the Blue Box. Almost every single Saturday night for three hours. Live without a net. So did it succeed as far as downloads? No. Was it successful in the, in the content we created? Hell yeah. We created 
once again, you want to talk about magic, you can hear it in some of those shows where you're like, oh, wow, what happened there? It's It was pretty special. I guess that's the closest I am to surprised. My name is Stella, and I'm from Chicago. I thought I might not be able to, I know it sounds goofy, but build muscle. I was never an athletic person, ever. Hmm. And I I started working out. Stephen and I have a, um, a trainer that we worked out with um, pre-COVID <laughs> twice a week. It was our thing to do together. And... Um, I actually grew arm muscles. I was really excited. I benched 100 100 or 105 pounds, which I was really excited about. So I thought I was going to fail because I'm not an athlete. I mean, I was fourth string in eighth grade on the basketball team. There was a no-cut policy that year. And (laughs) I was the backup for like the second backup. And they only put me in like the last minute if they were already winning or losing. It was great. Um, Yeah. But I I gained arm muscles and I benched over 100 pounds. I was really pumped about that. I don't know, but there's the old phrase, uh, if you set out to fail and succeed, what have you truly done? (laughs) So that'll be my answer. (laughs) I don't. Ooh. Yeah, that's uh, that's one I'm going to have to skip because I don't know. My name is Michael, and I'm a photographer, videographer in the Naperville area. When I first tried to get out of the Craigslist game, I, uh, I was trying to break out of this mold of getting cheap-ass you know, click and burn weddings. Um, and if you don't know what a click and burn is, is where you click on the picture and then you burn off the pictures, which give them the photos unedited. Because at the time I didn't know how to edit for real. Like, I'm just going to keep it straight with y'all. Now I'm way better. Uh, I'm just going to say also thanks to Nicole. She's fantastic at editing and she helps me out when she knows I'm not doing that as well. And that's, you know, the checks and balances and everything. But anyway, what I'm trying to get at is, um, almost forgot the question right now is uh what I did when I was trying to get out I would cold call the wedding companies I would literally not even send them the email and I would get on the phone and say hey did you see my blah 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 and they'd be like no we didn't get an email and sometimes I'd get to the top like to the person who does the hiring and then I would literally just tell them my website to get them to look at it right in front of me just so I could get that initial reaction whether it was good enough or not And that didn't work for a long time. But then when I started working with the company that I work now, which I got to say, I don't know how the fuck I got there, but they saw my shit. They knew I knew what I was doing. And it was, it's literally been a life changer. But in the interim, I cold called wedding companies to get a position there, knowing that I never sent in the resume. I am Chris, and I am from Chicago. Hmm. 
when I was 17 years old, I went back to Peru. And me and my friends were talking about this one lucky time that I uh, threw this one toy in this small hole and how impossible it was that I got it. And we were reliving that memory and we were sitting on the front steps of my building in Peru. And I said, I could do it again in the first try. And they're like, what are you going to do? And I said, like, put your hat over there. And so they put their hat up on the top of the steps. And I walked all the way down the steps. And I turned around and just threw a coin behind me. And it landed in the hat. At that moment, it was just for fun that we were doing it. And I knew that it wouldn't go in. But the goddamn coin went straight into the hat. <laughs> and everybody went apeshit for the next 10 minutes. And I mean, complete ape shit. And so was I, because I really didn't think that there was any way that it would go into a hat. And I didn't wow. believe it that I literally like had to make each one of them like swear to God that they didn't throw a coin <laughs> in the hat as I had turned around. <laughs> My name is Brett, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I think just with anything creative, you create stuff, right? And you put it out there onto the internet, into the world, and you hope something happens. And the weirdest thing to me is that it's when I try really hard to do something that the world responds to, they don't often do that. And then other times I can be throw together a video or a song in five minutes and it gets a million views. And so I did this, one of my first sort of viral things, I was just messing around and I put out this verse laid on top of one Republic song, apologize and put it on YouTube. It was really badly recorded and I just got a couple views no big deal. And then I moved on with my life and like a week or two later, you know, 300,000 views, 800,000 views, a million, 1.5 million. One Republic puts it on their MySpace page, yada, yada. Yeah, it was just really, that was one of the first times where I went, wow, like the internet is just this really weird animal that can take any random thing and just, <laughs> and really cool sort of, Next thing was on that was that there was a middle school variety concert where a band of middle schoolers covered One Republic's Apologize. And I, my, the rap that I added was at the start of the song. And they started their cover at this middle school variety show with my rap added onto it as if it was belonged in the song. And that was just so that to the to this day, in terms of my musical career or whatever, that is one of the highlights. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Elgin, Illinois. What's something that you did that you thought might fail, but somehow miraculously succeeded? Pretty much making it to be 53 years old. Um, I, think, I, think, I think I've done everything I possibly could to not, you know, to not make it, uh, not treat myself very well, not be a very good person. And yet I think I've come out at the end to be a pretty decent person right now with, you know, in, in a, you know, I have a 
fantastic partner and wife. Um, and I, I'm really lucky. Um, even going through all the stuff that we're going through right now, I, you know, feel pretty good about it. Um, is it perfect? No, but it's, it's really good. And that's, that's great. So kinks, everybody has them. <laughs> yes. Two, they do. two, two part question. Yes. My name is Potato Johnson, and I am from Crystal Lake, Illinois. If you just phrased it the other way around, I'd have tons of answers. <laughs> Things you think you've succeeded, but you really failed. That's the question. Um, failed and succeeded. Um... I'm going to have to say college going back to that illustration thing is getting kicked out of the illustration program. I was like, Oh crap. What the hell am I going to do now? And I think it worked out for the better because it pointed out a lot of what I consider to be personality flaws. And, and to be dead honest, uh, I don't even remember his name. I should. The other illustration professor was like, I didn't see this coming. This is stupid. So I still took the entire illustration curriculum. Um, as electives and made it through the whole thing, but just with you know a degree in drawing rather than straight illustration. Um, and I think it kind of checked my personality to realize that you know what, um, I'm not the center of the world. I'm kind of a dick, and maybe I don't know everything in the world. Um, and so I think that worked out much better. I, I'm still kind of an arrogant prick, but less so, and I'm more aware of it. Hello, my name's Dan from Cambridge, UK. What's something you did that you thought might fail, but somehow succeeded? Hmm. Probably the comic, actually. I thought that that was going to not last very long, but it's been going for a few years now. I wouldn't say it succeeded, but you know, I feel like I'm having fun with it, so... To me, it sort of has. Why did you think it was going to fail? Uh, I thought it was just going to be another one of these off-the-cuff ideas. Like, uh, I have them a lot, you know, oh, yeah, I've got this idea for a film, and then it fritters away, or just goes on the back burner and gets slowly worked on, or an idea for a video game that's slowly worked on, or, you know. I thought it was just going to be something like that, but I've actually maintained it and kept up with it and had fun with it. It's now become part of the routine that I probably couldn't stop it. <laughs> My name is John. I am from the west suburbs of Chicago. I don't know. My, I guess... Uh, I, I, shit, man. That's so fucking something that you thought would fail but really succeeded uh i guess it you know again i'm an artist all right i make comic books i i, I put a lot of art out there in the world and 
you know, a lot of the comics that I put out, uh, I was certain that they were garbage. <laughs> so like the very, okay. Yeah. Here's a good story. The very first comic I ever put out, um, it was bad. I could tell you it was bad. I knew it was a failure. Like it was drawn like crap. The story made no sense, but I still made it. I still accomplished something by creating it. And I was like, I've done the thing. This is the first step into a larger world. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I'm like, it's a failure, but it, it, it's accomplishing its purpose. That comic uh, got picked, uh, bought uh, by a guy, a reporter from Ain't It Cool News, which was a big website back in the you know late 2000s, um, and got uh, and he uh, reviewed it you know, uh, on ain't it cool news. And that was a fucking huge get for me, you know? And I had like pull quotes from ain't it cool news. And I would like talk that up all the time. And that helped me to sell more comics in the future. So this thing that I knew was utter garbage, like somebody who wasn't me liked it and wrote about it on a website. And that was a pretty big deal. We are Lauren and Ryan. And we are from Chicago, Illinois. It's this is a hard question for me, and I'm, I think I'm going to pass on it because my mm-hmm. mindset going into something, if I, it would be very hard for me to go into it and say this is going to fail. Um, right. I always go in very optimistic. You know, I go in mm-hmm. with the, with the mindset. I've I've had it go the opposite way, where I've thought it was going to be very <laughs> successful and then it failed. But then I view failures as opportunities as well. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm big on spin, but not the not the negative spin we get in the media, but positive spin mm-hmm. in your own head. Um, where I, you know, thought it was going to fail and it was successful. Um, actually is my photography career. I didn't really think that I was going to take off to the level that I thought it was going to. Um, you know, I, I had confidence in myself and everything like that. Um, and it's one of those things, right. Where you have to play between confident and cocky. And I'm a very humble Mm -hmm. person. I'm so blessed though, like where we're at and the huge team that we have and the things that we're able to do and these people trust me uh, with, you know, their whole lives and we get to travel the world or the people that book me, you know, for the, for sometimes the cost that they pay. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is crazy. So I don't want to see it. Does, it kind of correlates in a lot of ways, but yeah, I, I couldn't believe how successful we are, um, as photographers. My name is Zach. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, my career in the military. So I did my time and I got out. Um, and I'm known for quitting. If I know I'm going to fail, I just quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And it's because I have failed. I've not tried hard enough to succeed. So I just want to quit. And so I felt even at basic training, like when I first got in, Day two of basic training. I hate this. It's stupid. I want to quit. I graduated. AIT was a lot easier. Uh, the schooling part was hard. I, I essentially got an associate's degree in computer science in six months. And that usually takes two to two and a half years. And we did it in six months. And I didn't necessarily think I was going to fail while I was there. It was more or less I'm going to fail a class and have to take it again because it's so freaking hard. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely thought I would fail at the military and I, I did my time and I got out. Um, I wanted more, um, my physical ability to run quickly definitely hindered, um, my time in the military. Um, I couldn't, couldn't pass a run test towards the end to save my life. Even though I tried to run, I tried to work out at home, you know, hit the treadmill, hit the track at the, um, the athletic center, you know, down the road. And just, I tried and I just could not run quick. I don't know. There's like a thing in my mind is if somebody's chasing me and trying to kill me, I'm going to run fast and I'm going to run far. But if you just say, Hey, go run two miles. Like why? No, I have better things to do with my time. Um, you know, but there is that, that physical fitness standard. And, and towards the end um, of when I got out, I could barely meet it if meet it at all. And so I definitely, you know, it is what it is at this point. It's been almost five years since I got out. Um, but yeah, for me, I really thought I'd fail at the military. And I, um, in a lot of ways, succeeded and excelled. And in a few, I kind of was pretty shitty, like the running part. My name is M. I am from Chicago, Illinois. Well, it depends on how you define success. Um, there, I think I'm going to fail in everything. Uh, so, um, but I do it anyway. A lot of the time, um, I would say our. Uh, let me think. Hmm. We had a business that we had a retail store at one time. We ended up closing it. Um, but that first year we did almost a million dollars. Wow. And it was like one of those things that we just kind of went, wow, how the hell did we pull that off? Um, you know, there have, we've had things like that where they ultimately we did end up closing them. But there, there were when we had our zine, like we didn't make any money, but we were in Mojo Magazine. We were in, we were asked to be guest of honors at that Comic Con. Like there were so many things. We got a cease and desist letter from Elvis Presley Enterprises. You know how hard oh. that is to do in the early '90s when there was no internet and there was no. <laughs> I mean, we were heard like we were like, how did they find out about us? Like we, we were in, we were interviewed on the BBC. Um, there were all kinds of like, we really, I felt like made a huge splash in a time where that was really, really hard. My name is Mark Allen Fishman. I am from Homewood, Illinois something that I did that I thought would fail but then succeeded okay um, we'll we'll stick in eighth grade here um, I tried out for the barbershop quartet in uh, the show the choir I was in we weren't like a glee thing it was like you know just a normal kids choir but the highest ranking that you could uh, basically become in that choir was to be part of the barbershop quartet for boys or the beauty shop group, which was usually six girls um, on the girls side. And this was always, always dominated by the popular kids in choir. 
there. So, I mean, everyone auditions, but we all kind of knew who was going to get it. And somehow, some way, I was chosen to be part of that group. And um, I would I would definitely close the loop on that and say it did not get me laid um, against what I know everyone listening would think that barbershop singer not getting laid. How is that even possible? But trust me, it is. And um, yeah, I not only was in barbershop quartet, I actually never I continued to sing in barbershop quartet all the way through senior year of high school, uh, my barbershop quartet senior year of high school in fact uh same thing we ended up beating out the popular ringers got together and made their own group to compete against me and my ragtag group and we decimated them and not only decimated them but uh we received standing ovations every time we performed at the uh seasonal concert series still didn't get me laid though so take from that what you will My name is Marie, and I am from St. Paul, Minnesota. So when I decided that I wanted to move to Minnesota, uh, I was in a really bad place uh, emotionally. Uh, I did not like living in Kentucky anymore, and I kind of gave up everything for this risk of moving to Minnesota to find this job that I was kind of looking for, which was at the Earn Company. And the first day I was there, the apartment I was supposed to stay at fell through completely. But I had two other backups, but they also fell through. So I did not know if it was going to work. And I was not in a good place because of it, because I really didn't think it was an option to go back to Kentucky. Mm. So I kept trying and I kind of gotten into desperate place where I ended up posting on Craigslist and I got a reply from this amazing woman who is still my roommate today. Really? Yep. So for those might not be too aware of what Craigslist is, what what could have failed in this scenario? Oh, so many. And I definitely had to vet out like a few options. Like I got a few replies saying, you could stay on my couch uh, and pay $300. And I'm like, no. Whoa. Why would I do that? Um, I just had to be patient. I think I waited two or three days. I can't remember. Um, and got a few different replies. And as someone who dealt with Craigslist for a long time and definitely like came across some shady deals, both in <laughs> Georgia and Kentucky, like, I mean, there's even someone who at one point was called the Craigslist killer. Like the Craigslist is kind of notorious for being like, not such a great place to do any kind of transaction. And (laughs) thankfully we now have other outlets um, that are a little safer, but for this instance, it worked out perfectly for me. Mm -hmm. 
My name is Sarah, and I'm from a podunk town in Iowa. Um, I would say in my business now, now five years in, I look back and I see, I remember having this conversation with you, with, with, with Jason, having this Mm. conversation about how, um, the life expectancy of a video professional in certain lines of work is fairly short. And there are only a handful really that make it past, I think you said like five or six years. Or maybe, I don't maybe it was longer, I'm not sure. But I look back and I think to myself, I'm here, I'm still going, I'm still successfully producing content, I'm still successfully booking clients and doing work, doing jobs. And it's, I still love it, even though I've had, I have moments where I hate it. Um, and that to me confirms that what, what the course I've taken has become successful. Have I made a ton of money from it? No. Um, thankfully I've, I'm in a position where I haven't had to look at that as my main source of income, but I've always tried to look at it as if it could become my main source of income. And so I feel that that, that determination, that drive to keep going and not take a break. Cause I've seen a lot of people, I try not to compare myself to others, but I've seen a, a lot of uh, professionals in my same area of work, even in the industry that I'm seeing them drop off the face of the map and they all have their own unique circumstances and they all have their own situations and, and, my circumstances may be different and they have allowed me to continue and where they may not have in their case. But I see these other people drop off and I think to myself, you know, sometimes I really want to quit and I just want to throw up my hands and be done. Um, But I have not allowed myself to go any farther than that. And I feel like that's a measure of success for me. Stories make us feel all a little more connected to the world. Like no matter what you're going through or what's happening in your life, know that you're not alone. And know that some of those things that you really were thinking that might not work out could somehow spin on a top and come out in your favor in the weirdest of ways. Do you have something that you thought you were going to do and you thought you were going to fail at but miraculously turned around and succeeded at, we would love to hear it. Send us an email or a voicemail clip to behindeverystory at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast with your friends and family. Or maybe when someone comes around to your front door that you don't know, just be like, hey, check out this podcast. They might love it. And that just is proving my point all along. If you can, head over to iTunes to give us a five-star review and tell us what you've succeeded at while listening to this podcast. You can find us and listen to us at Behind Every Story Podcast on Facebook to stay up to date on all our newest episodes and some behind-the-scenes stuff. And you can always find us on BehindEveryStory.com. Great storytellers make the world a smaller and more intimate place. Thank you to all the storytellers out there, big and small. 
And thank you to our guests this week, Brett, Bob, Brandon, Chris, Chris, Daniel, John, Lauren and Ryan, M, Mark, Marie, Michael, Potato Johnson, Rob, Sarah, Stella, Sean, and Zach. I've been your storyteller, Jason Osterkamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next time when I ask everyone, what kink do you love and what kink would you love to try? Next time on Behind Every Story. This episode's musical guest is No Boundaries, as in K-N-O-W Boundaries. This is a local band living around my hometown of Elgin, Illinois. And here's their song, Star People. In the year 3,337, all the prophets and saints from the Bible have been replaced by movie stars, athletes, and other such icons. The only person that won't be renamed is Jesus, but Madonna will be the Virgin Mary. Since Jesus is the Son of God, all people will be considered stars. And this is the holy book of the star people. Neutron star, mischief infinity, make love to madness, master the energy, dark the divinity, full women's sanity, you rape homes and high kill Hannity, fuck your majesty, death to your trinity, you want my virginity, call femininity, I'm just a player in cosmic infinity, within here to vast and collect my vicinity, test names and kneecaps, a bus back, suck your blood and call yellow jack, look back, the mirror to my soul is cold and pitch black, no matter where we go, it seems I'm off track, the sentimental cold, with streams in my crack, Uncle Hester